Hi there. Welcome to Finding Space with Alex Tyson, the show that celebrates the everyday legends who put in the hard work to become who they want to be and live the life they want to live. For people who understand that when we practice compassion and find wisdom within ourselves, we find success and happiness. Join me in hearing amazing stories from everyday individuals who have found incredible personal and professional growth through varied and, at times, wild methods of self-improvement and self-responsibility, and through their unique perspectives and work, have gone on to better the lives of those around them. From nurturing health to growing your wealth, or enjoying the present to crafting your future, no aspect of life is off-topic. G'day everyone, welcome to Finding Space with Alex Tyson. I'm your host, Alex Tyson. Guys, exciting news. As you know, I am the active CEO of Found Space, where we specialize in infrared saunas and recreating people's home spaces to better serve their well-being through sauna and education. And a very exciting moment for us and myself personally, we have just launched in New Zealand officially. We have a beautiful showroom over there and can now install infrared saunas and get into the community and help our clients achieve higher levels of health and change in New Zealand. It's super exciting. It's been a big journey getting to this point as the business owners out there and really everyone can understand. And so if you're in New Zealand and you're listening to this, check us out. You can head to foundspace.co.nz. And as always, if you're in Australia and you want to get involved, become part of the Foundspace tribe and community, you can head to foundspace.com.au. Do you know that if you haven't exercised this morning or today, your brain will not be firing as best it could? If you've missed the opportunity today to move your body, to increase the heart rate, you're not going to be firing on all cylinders. Your cognitive ability will be decline, your ability to connect with others won't be at the level it could be had you exercised or had you moved. And that could be walking at a brisk pace to get the heart rate up. It could be surfing. It could be running. It could be a CrossFit workout, whatever it might be. Exercise helps us live longer and it helps us function at a higher level than we would had we not exercised or moved or whatever that might be. Even if that practice is just a 20-minute yoga flow in the morning to open up the body and and activate different muscles and, and ligaments and tendons, all of which activate more parts of our brain, even if it's just something small like that. Maybe it's just having a boogie in the shower for five minutes. I don't know. The fact is, is that moving is critical for us to thrive and it doesn't have to be something really difficult. We function better and we generally just feel better Even if in the moment when we're exercising, we don't. That's called delayed gratification. Today, I'm speaking with someone who moves a lot. (laughs) Movement is part of her life, as it probably needs to be for a lot of us, depending that we actually can move. Today, we're also talking about an ancient practice. Today, we're talking about yoga. But remove any stigma you have on yoga. In fact, don't even think of it as yoga. Just think of it as some movements that we do standing in the one spot that activate our brain and that bring us back within our body. Because for me, I used to certainly put a label on yoga and I was not interested until yoga changed my life. (laughs) So today we're talking about yoga and I implore you, if you don't have a yoga practice or you haven't tried it, listen. And if you do have a yoga practice, listen. It's a super powerful interview today. And I hope you enjoy it. Today, I'm speaking with Nikki Ralston. Nikki Ralston has been working with the human body for over 20 years as a hands-on body worker and yoga teacher and fitness instructor. Nikki has derived her own Ralston method, which provides quality teaching programs and life-enhancing movement practices so that people can move better and enjoy their lives more. Because that's what it's all about, right? Her passion for yoga, movement, and understanding of anatomy really shines through in this interview, so I hope you enjoy it. In today's episode, we talk about Nikki's journey into yoga and how her practice has changed over the years as she went through varying different moments of real adversity. We discuss the importance of moving the body even whilst in periods of grief or shame or challenge. 
the Ralston method and how it can be used to integrate with our bodies more, and we undo some of the stigma surrounding yoga. This is a really fun episode. Nikki brings such a great energy, and I hope you can soak it up just as I did. This episode is brought to you by Found Space. We are now open in Australia and New Zealand. Ready to make a change? Looking for infrared sauna? Make your home a place of wellness to live a longer and healthier life. Head to foundspace.com.au or foundspace.co.nz to learn more. And so I give you Nikki Ralston. Nikki Ralston, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. It's my pleasure to be on here with you, Alex. I've spent some time listening to your previous podcasts and yeah, I just feel super inspired when I listen to you and your guests. Thank you. That's a massive compliment. Um, Note to everyone, Nikki wasn't paid to say that. I'm glad that comes (laughs) across. (laughs) Um, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. To kick things off, if you did a workout this morning, what was it? How did you move your body this morning? Okay, so today I haven't moved as much as I normally would. I got up this morning and I taught a live stream class from my home. So the difference is with doing live streams versus teaching yoga in person is like I have to do the whole thing because I'm on camera. So that's been actually the only way I've moved my body this morning. I'm taking it a bit easy. Um, I'm just recovering post-COVID. So my my challenge for myself is to kind of pull back a little bit on the exercise front. I've literally been walking the dog and doing yoga and just some light accessory work at the gym. So are you someone who's always wanting to move and to be doing something? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I do what I do because I can move all day and wear stretchy clothes. (laughs) I'm super active. My daughter's like, Mom, do you think you're ADHD? And I'm like, no, darling, they just didn't have a name for it when I was a child. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to label it. No, I've just got lots of energy and I love to move my body. Um, I grew up as an athlete, like my dad was a running and triathlon coach. So I was just so used to every night I get into bed being physically tired that I sleep great and I've continued that on through my adult life as well like movement for me is medicine it's a way to process my feelings thoughts emotions and get that moving through the body Mm. how do you find a balance between like wanting to move all the time but then knowing when you need to actually just rest for a day or maybe two or maybe three That's definitely been my practice of yoga. Um, It's allowed me to really tune in and listen to my body. And I know saying like listening to your body is an easy thing to say and understand if you get that. But if you don't have a good body awareness, maybe you haven't had that as a priority growing up or you've never found tools or a practice to do that, listening to your body can be like, oh, what? Because the chatter in the mind is so loud, um, it can be quite difficult. So practicing yoga really helped me to get in touch with my body and then be able to listen to those needs. And it is, it's such a fine balance between like, am I just being a little lazy and like, "Mm, I don't want to move today? Or is it actually something I really need to listen to and rest? And that's an ongoing open-ended conversation that, you know, I don't think I've mastered completely yet, but I'm getting better and better all the time at, at listening. I mean, can anyone really master that? Come on. You know, it's like, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. All the time as well, right? right? Like what, what made you feel good or what your body needed last week is different to what it needs this week. It's different two years ago to, to what you need now. So it takes that really regular checking in and that discipline to check in with 
yourself to adjust to those changing needs. Mm. You work with a lot of people in yoga and, and teaching movement in general, uh, movement being a very big umbrella <laughs> of things. Um, do you typically, or well, I'm curious to kind of get your take on this. So if someone's, if someone's woken up and they're feeling like, oh, like there's a bit of resistance to maybe doing some movement and then the, and then the mind kicks in and starts to create a story as to why they shouldn't. Are you typically one to say, look, just go for a fucking walk or something, you know, like move the body a little bit or are you like, no, 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 like tune into that. How do you kind of, how do you find that, that balance? For me, I think routine is really important. Like how you start the day really sets you up for how the rest of it flows. So even if you don't want to do a vigorous exercise in the morning, because let's face it, not everybody's a morning kind of people. That's a little bit daunting sometimes to like just go and crack straight into it. I would say move your body in some way. Yeah, get outside, go for a walk, view sunlight early in the morning, um, get some fresh air and get out of your head and whatever story that is just move your body in some way. If it's raining and you just really don't want to go out, you know, some kind of gentle movement indoors like yoga or something. Um, because often once you just shift beyond that, then you can really tune into what you do, do need. And I'm big around kind of keeping things quite regular and consistent because we really respond to those kind of regular cues. I noticed through the lockdowns, I was like all good if I had to get up and turn up and like teach a class or do something like I normally would in the morning. It was those mornings where I didn't have anything on that I was like, oh, I'll just go back to bed and maybe have my coffee in bed. And, and that was the days that I would like slip and slide down the hill. And because I I'm normally in such a regular routine that was my big reminder of like don't don't let those habits those good habits slip and they can go pretty quickly sometimes really interestingly quite <laughs> quickly concerningly quickly in fact yeah. <laughs> it's like it's I thought it, I thought a habit took 30 days to form but I swear I've lost that habit in like two days you know yeah, the work the work's not completely lost, but it's humbling. It's really humbling. Yeah, even for me, who I'm, I consider myself quite well practiced and well versed in these things, just how quickly um, you can spiral. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's not uncommon to see yourself being like doing some pretty impressive acrobatics, if you will, or like you know front flips and these kind of things along the beach, whatever it might be. Um, like that to me, for most, feels quite kind of extreme uh, as a form of movement, you know. And then the other end of the spectrum is practicing yoga. And, I, and I'm curious, like, how you kind of got into the practice of yoga and, and then how that kind of flowed into movement in the rest of your life and, and created that kind of greater spread of different forms of movement. Yeah, so I grew up as an athlete, like I said before. So I was a runner myself. So my body was quite tight at the time. And I think a lot of people come to yoga for quite superficial reasons at first, or maybe they just feel like they want to stretch. And I was definitely in that category. I felt like I needed a stretch. And I'd read an article. Um, this was like the 90s, early 90s late 90s about a supermodel who did yoga and I was like right I, I want to be like a supermodel <laughs> I better go to this yoga thing right. and that's literally what what got me along so I went to my first class I loved the physical challenge of it being an athlete it wasn't it definitely wasn't easy I was actually surprised by how challenging it was but that kind of sparked something in me and when I left that first class, I felt taller, I felt lighter, and I felt more like myself, which was kind of a weird concept at the time. I was 19 and I hadn't realized that I didn't feel like my, myself. And I knew there was something in that because nothing had really shifted things in me to feel that before. 
And um, so I continued on. I just dabbled in it like when I felt like I needed that feeling for quite a long time. And then very early I heard a little voice that said, you're going to teach this one day. And I was like, that's weird because all the people doing yoga at that time were like over 60 in my eyes or like really old at that point. (laughs) Probably like like, 35 or something. Yeah, probably. And I was like, what would I have to teach these people? Mm. And so that really put me kind of, I just parked that idea. I was already a massage therapist, so really interested in the human body And, um, yeah, then through my 20s, I was in an abusive relationship and I really started to to lose who I was. My health wasn't great. And going to yoga was the only time that I felt strong at a time where I felt super weak. I remembered who I really was and it gave me tools to navigate through a really challenging time and so I started to take it more seriously because I knew there was just there was something about this that I hadn't found anywhere else and then I ended up falling pregnant um, in that relationship and leaving like finding the strength to to leave that relationship and then raise my daughter on my own Mm. So as a single mum, like life was pretty full. Um, and then my yoga practice was took on a different meaning because to I think any parent will relate to this, to have some time just completely mm. for myself on my yoga mat was like, oh, just such a, a gift. And I firmly believe that my practice allowed me to to be a better mother, to be more present, more attentive, and to keep filling up my own cup while, while I was giving out so much. Mm. And then that's about the time that I was like, okay, I, I think I'm I'm ready to start teaching this. I'd had a few life experiences and um, felt wiser because of it, and. I really knew how much it had transformed and helped my own life. So that's when I took on my teacher training and like really dove deep into that back when I did it. It was more of an apprenticeship model over a couple of years and then started to take on a different meaning. My dad got really sick. Mm. He went through a bone marrow transplant and so I'd be at the hospital nursing him for like, you know, 12 hours and that's when the, the pranayama practice, the breathing practice, I was like, I have tools to get through this. And, and the meditation practice wasn't just something I did that helped on the daily. Like it helped me at a time where I was really emotionally stressed, physically tired. And, you know, being able to, to give back to this man that had given so much to me, like it was... Oh, still to this day, I think my biggest honour to be able to hold that space for him. And um, we got him through that, And but then three years later, the cancer came back and we lost him. So it was actually around that time that I created the Ralston Method. That's my last name. And that was really in like a nod to him because what I'd witnessed growing up with him and what I got to be a part of was watching him coach like top level athletes. And he wasn't just coaching them on the sport. He was, he was coaching them to be their best selves, whether they, you know, won gold at the Olympics or got through mental health struggles or, you know, whatever it was, that's what he was coaching. And I realized I was doing the same thing but through yoga. And I wanted to break out of the traditional model of yoga because it was really like the guru kind of um, structure of, you know, I'd question my teachers as to to why, you know, because I knew a bit about the body from massage. And the answer that would often come back was like, because 
Guruji seed. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm kind of not good enough for me, you know, like. <laughs> um, so I would question a lot and I wanted to be able to teach from a place of what I knew and understood in my own body and from working hands-on with students and and it and hand autonomy back to the student like I don't know what anybody else feels on the inside you know I can see things from the outside and I can suggest things but I don't really know I don't have x-ray eyes um, so I wanted to be able to teach in my own way and combine yeah the wisdom that I learned from my father my functional anatomy knowledge and the practice of yoga so that's how I created the Ralston method, which was kind of controversial at the time. Now there's like as many different styles of yoga as you can imagine. And, and then from there, I've just grown and evolved with it. I incorporate weight training into what I do. I try to move in a variety of ways. And I really try to encourage people to understand their bodies better and when you're interested in how your body works and, and moves, it's um, nothing's boring. Like everything you do becomes interesting because your body is always there and it's always moving or like you, you can, you know, refine your posture. And I see you're sitting up straight in there because I said the word, um, you know, so it's like you can always you've always got your body with you. So you can always be using this vehicle of your body to be more present, be more aware, and also be moving forward in a direction that's healthy and sustainable and makes you feel good. It sounds like you had an incredible relationship with your father. Oh, so beautiful. Like he was such an inspiring man. I don't think he, he didn't even finish school. So he really wasn't, you know, extremely academically minded. He was a real people person and he coached running because he loved running himself, but he was never the greatest athlete, but had this real passion and could, could see things in other people that they couldn't yet see in themselves. Mm. And that's what he coached out of them. And I think he passed that on to me. No, I don't think I know he passed that skill on to me. And he also worked his way up and combined his passion for running with business in the end and ended up working for Nike internationally and ended up in the head office in Portland and worked with sponsorship for the Springbok rugby team. And he took Michael Jordan on tour of Japan and, you know, he went with the Commonwealth Games team and met the Queen. And I just grew up thinking that that's what most dads did. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just super normal. And it wasn't until, um, you know, my adult life that I was like, wow, my dad was really quite extraordinary. And um, so we shared a really close bond that I just am so grateful for. Mm. That's beautiful. I think his spirits just come into the room. It's nice. Yeah. How do you encourage people to, like you talked about, like listening to the body and understanding the body. If someone's quite disconnected or, or maybe there's just something they haven't really put much thought into, like what's a good place to start? I've got to be able to meet people where they're at mm. because a lot of people have really heady jobs, you know, like and that's their superpower is being able to analyse and dissect things and be really on. And someone like that, if you just ask them to stop and be still, <laughs> like, wow. okay, they're, they're laying there, but I can guarantee that their mind is like, bow, 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 bow. Yeah. <laughs> so I give um, busy-minded people things to think about, okay? So being in your body and giving specific cues and having to place, you know, your body in certain places I there's not too much room to think about other things mm. Mm. and I call it um when I teach the say a yoga class I call it the breaking point or the tipping point 
So I actually wait for this moment of kind of confusion um, and that happens like one-on-one as well. It's almost like I can hear the noises, the noise in their head and it gets to this point and it's like, oh, things are kind of difficult and what's right and what's left and oh, what, my aunt. And then it's often at that point, right, that point of resistance that people give up or give in. Like if you're doing a task right now that's difficult and maybe fiddly and then you're like, oh, too hard, put it to the side. But it's actually if you just move beyond that resistance and that difficulty and that chatter, that that's often where those connections happen. And then you get into that more flow stage, that more open-minded, connected space. And, yeah, so I wait for that. Mm. So, yeah, I, I try to meet people where they're at. So there's no one kind of singular answer for that apart from getting in your body getting your body to do things and paying attention to how you're placing your body yeah for me that moment arrives during a half moon pose and I'm just like man this is freaking hard <laughs> yeah so for any listeners that don't know half moon pose it's like you're standing on one leg your chest and is turned to the side, your arms and legs are spread out long. It's a it's a really great embodied pose. Honestly, any single leg balancing pose will bring you into the present moment. And like I can think I'm quite calm in the mind, mm. get on one leg, and sometimes it's like there's racehorses running through my mind and you can't escape that when you do some kind of skilled pose and difficulty like that that makes you have to focus Mm. and that's why I handstand every day because that is my pose to truly check in with my mind like because I've become quite skilled at other things that's my point where I really notice what's in my head I can stand on my hands for a minute in the middle of the room but some days, Alex, <laughs> can't even kick up. And it's nothing physical. Mm. You know, it's nothing physical. And I can notice that's when I'm being really hard on myself or I'm beating myself up or I'm frustrated. And so for me, that's my check-in point. Mm. That's my meditation. So meditation doesn't always have to look like sitting there cross-legged, or calm and still, you can you can use different poses, different positions, different movements to also really be honest and check in with what the mind's doing. I mean, this is this is the information, you know. Like, it, movement doesn't have to be this doesn't have to be a CrossFit workout, you know. Um, but it's the way, it's a way to like bring us back into the body, whatever that might be, whether that's yoga, whether it's handstands. <laughs> whatever it might be, you know, uh, that's, that's kind of like doing the work, you know? And that's one thing I love about a yoga practice is that, yeah, you get to that point where you just like, it's almost like you don't have the energy to be thinking about anything else. You can't, you You know, that, that report that I was trying to do, it's just, it doesn't, doesn't matter right now. You know, in fact, it never mattered really. (laughs) I just thought it did, you know, and yoga brings you right back. Exactly. And I, I, I wish that was what more people understood when they walk into a yoga room. Mm. And I do believe people get that through, yeah, like a CrossFit style workout, running, something like that. It's my like, so you get to that point where other things shift shift out and you're just in that zone of like one foot in front of the other or whatever it is. And I think that's a really important thing is to find movement and exercise that you enjoy doing. Mm. If you don't enjoy it in the moment, though, maybe you enjoy the feeling after it because let's face it, some of the workouts I do right in the moment, I'm not enjoying it, but I do enjoy how I feel after it. So I think that's a super important thing to remember is it's not about punishing ourselves with a workout that we don't even enjoy doing. It's about turning up for something because because you enjoy it. Yeah, I totally resonate with that. Since moving up to the Sunshine Coast, I've been not strict, but especially the last six months after coming out of my fast, I was quite 
skinny at like no muscle tone at all. You know, I was 47 kilos. Like there was nothing of me. Like my butt cheek was like half a mango cheek, you know, it was like. <laughs> it was the half moon. <laughs> yeah, literally. And, uh, and I just said, all right, I'm getting up every morning. I'm meditating for 20 minutes and I'm moving no matter what. And now like my day to day is I'm either that movement is either a surf or a mountain bike ride or a run or a hike. Cause there's some great spots around here. And I enjoy those things, you know, and there was a period of time where I was like trying, I was starting to do some workout classes or whatever. And I just, the enjoyment just wasn't there anywhere near as much as doing these other things that I enjoy. And I just remember, I was like, Alex, why am I, why are you forcing yourself to do some movement that you don't enjoy when you could just go bouldering, which you love, or you could go for a surf, which you love, you know? And then, so I just got out of my head, started doing the things I enjoy again. I've been moving really well most mornings, except for those days when you listen to the body and you actually do need a rest and, and, in, in, and loving it, you know? And I think although movement might be, there might be some resistance for some of us in doing that, finding the thing that you love and then just keep doing that thing, you know? And there'll be days when you don't want to do it as much and that's okay. <laughs> Still do it. Yeah. Unless your body's like really sore or you really shouldn't move much that day, but just, um, just keep doing the things that you enjoy. That's, that's the practice. Yeah. And then you're way more likely to keep turning up for it and on that note like I've been looking at discipline like the discipline like you said like 20 minutes non-negotiable meditation and move like the discipline I think is an act of self-love you know because often we think of self-love and kind of maybe fluffier softer terms but discipline and of course that can go the other way and be too rigid sometimes but discipline the following through on your actions is like one of the largest acts of self-love that we can do and the delayed gratification that comes from doing that as well it's just like oh yes I'm actually meeting my needs right now yeah well done you know the regularity and the consistency is going to pay off far more than you know sporadic like oh go and do an hour exercise and Mm. waste yourself and then be too tired to to do anything else Mm. you know so that regularity that consistency and that discipline you know that's the stuff that really builds that fortitude you feel stronger in your body you feel more vibrant your emotions come off of that and and you feel more confident and yeah, so I really think discipline is a hugely underrated part of, of self-love. Mm, mm, I love that. There's a gentleman who was training uh, some MMA fighters in the States and he talks about this concept of uh, like intensity. And he, the, the, the example he uses is like, or the example I'll use is like, how many chin-ups can you do? It's like, okay, I can do 10 easily. Right. That's like, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> 10 easily. Right. So it's like doing 10 chin ups. If you can do that every day, as opposed to doing 15, which becomes, you have to really push to do those 15. Doing 10 a day consistently is much better than doing 15 every two days, you know? And there's this idea of like intensity and, and, and when, when you don't go to intensity every single workout, it actually, or every single, form of movement, whatever that might be, it actually allows you to be more consistent and build more of that routine instead of, like you said, like absolutely just smashing yourself two or three times a week. And then you've got a day and a half recovery because you can't move or you can't sit down on the toilet because you went hard on the squats, you know? Um, And and the the consistency that comes from that and the overall long-term benefits of that far outweigh just going hard a couple of times a week. Absolutely. And I love UFC, by the way. I'm like yeah. the yogi <laughs> that loves UFC as well. Um, but in that, you know, like the intensity that those athletes have to meet, like not just physically, like it's astounding, but like their mental game, like we've got, you know, some of the best UFC fighters um, from New Zealand And I, you know, I just look at them, like how sharp they are mentally and, you know, and they're training breath work, Mm. 
yeah, it's just like the ultimate expression of an athlete. Mm. How did you implement movement and continue to move whilst going through some of those harder times in your life? You know, you're talking about you split up with your partner, you were pregnant, and then you went through that period where your, your dad passed away. How did you kind of fall back on those daily practices that you had? Yeah, this is a great question. And it kind of ties into what we've been talking about right through is listening to the body. Because in those times of peak stress, sometimes exercise is the first thing to go when you need that time to to do other things. Um, So scaling it back to something that's realistic, like a 20 minute, 20 minutes to move. And keeping that consistency in there and putting it in in pockets of the day that are going to work, that, you know, other things aren't going to be a priority over. So first thing in the morning is always a really good one to slide in there, as well as um, being a parent. So, you know, normally I could wake up in the morning or, you know, occupy my daughter for a while and get something in sometimes it didn't ever look ideal um so definitely as a as a parent you've got to let go of the ideas of what you think exercise should look like um sometimes it is you know a dog on your mat and a child climbing over you or um incorporating it into your life is really key um, so that you can do it. And, and just being really kind to yourself through those times was definitely most beneficial to me. My nervous system was already pretty whacked with a bit of lack of, of sleep and that emotional stress. And especially when you're emotionally stressed, like you can feel your tissues tighter. Have you ever had that? Feeling like where you've had it's like, like a fascia's like coming in on you. Yeah, like when your cortisol levels are raised for a, for a long amount of time, you can actually feel it kind of like battery acid in the body and your fascia, that covering of the muscles is all kind of dehydrated and contractile. And so you feel pretty yuck. So already you feel yuck. Then if you don't move, you feel more yuck. And so, but also your tissues are quite fragile in that, in that state as well. So you want to be mindful to not just go out and thrash yourself because I'm sure you felt that before, like when you're emotionally stressed and you're like, ah, I just want to get out there and go, you know, go hard. (laughs) And often that's where we, when we ping something, we injure something or we just like wipe ourselves out. So yeah, listening also to what, how your body is responding to the stresses um, that you've, that you've got placed upon you as well. Yeah. It's interesting in times of grief, you know, I, from my experiences, that tendency to just want to like stop, like, whoa, this big things just happened. And it's, it's like in like mentally we have this, we want to sort of like just stop and like take stock of everything that's going on. But then that kind of manifests physically as well. You're just generally kind of moving less. Um, and so I, I like that. It's like, let's just keep trying to move a little bit, you know, even if it's just yeah. 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, maybe it's just a quick yoga flow. Maybe it's just a brief walk, just get out, keeping that body moving, keeps the mind kind of ticking forward and still feeling like we're moving in life, both physically and, and mentally and spiritually, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's when we stagnate, like when we stop moving, things stagnate in the the body and particularly with grief from the Chinese perspective, it sits, grief sits in our lungs, you know. So we want to be moving and challenging our breath, especially to, to get all of those emotions moving through because we often feel that real heaviness in our chest at those times mm. as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious, Nikki, like what's your recovery protocol if you have one protocol is a bit serious but like how are you looking after yourself after those intense workouts or just after whatever it is yeah honestly if I didn't practice yoga after some of the workouts that I do I think I would be feeling 
pretty awful um sometimes in the morning I'll wake up after a big workout and I'm like oh like yeah that's stiff sore I practice first thing in the morning and meditate and you know then I'm like oh I'm okay like I'm good to go you know like I feel a little little worked but nothing that's gonna hinder my mobility or my ability to to get through the day with ease so yeah gentle movement practices like yoga and key like targeted stretching as well like there's all I'm always trying to bring more balance to my body like at the moment I'm trying to strengthen my adductors but then also in that strengthening um lengthening so yeah finding those kind of key target areas that need a little bit more work I do sauna as well and I've got into ice baths nice I know. So good. Honestly, like two years ago, I had created the the story around cold. Uh-huh. I would way prefer to sauna and be warm. Like I would love to live in a hot climate over a cold climate. And um, I created this story around I don't like cold. You know, like. I don't like it. Whenever we use words like I can't, I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, There's something there. <laughs> so I really created a story around that. And actually away on one of my retreats down in Queenstown at Aroha, I was like, okay, so this is the perfect time to like move beyond this story. So, you know, we saunered, um, we did the Wim Hof breathing and then did the cold plunge port. It does help when you've got like picturesque mountains around yeah, you. Yeah, some of the most beautiful scenery in the world. Yeah. And, you know, like you've got a support crew of people around you. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, it's just, it's another form of mind-body training. And, you know, as soon as kind of that clicked for me, I was like, oh, this is just sensation. It's all in the mind. Like this is something that I can tolerate just like a difficult yoga pose, you know, to a point of, you know, not being stupid about it, but a point where you get to that point like, okay, that's enough now. And then you come out and you're fine. Yeah. In fact, you're more than fine. (laughs) (laughs) You you can go back in the warm sauna, you know, And then how I've, again, it's that thing of like, do I enjoy being in the cold water? I enjoy the mind training of it, but I'm not like, ooh, this is so nice and chilly. Um, But do I love how I feel after? Yes. And do I love that I'm putting myself in a stressful situation and learning to manage my shit in that situation? Spot on. That is the work right there. Like that's what I love about ice bath. That's what I love about like lifting heavy stuff, you know, is that you like, it's an, it's an intense, like compacted moment of time where you just have to like go through this process of like, Oh, I can't do it. No, I'm going to do it. And then I'm in it. Oh, this hurts. This is hard. You push through it. You get through to the other end success. Like if you stretch that out over months, like that's what you go through in, in other areas of your life, just in a shorter time span, you know? Yeah. And this is what I teach in, in the practice and learning to meet those stresses and learning to meet those triggers and not be swallowed up by them, consumed by that little small voice and in your mind and meeting those times of increased stress and pressure and, and riding through it. Mm. And we know we get to the other side We know that when we're in times of grief, despair, hardship, challenge, whatever obstacle is in our way, we know that we're going to get over it. We'll find our way around it. We might just sit and look at that obstacle for a while. (laughs) Stare at it. Why are you here? What have you come to teach me? (laughs) Why this one again? But we know we're going to move beyond it. And I think any of these forms of, of training and practice, we're all we're doing the same thing. Mm. Uh, we're not tested until we're strong enough to pass the test. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and sometimes it's like, oh, wow. 
You see something in me, yeah, that I don't see yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when those exactly. big ones come along. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So are you still ice barbing uh, back home when you're not yes. at Aloha? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I do like to do it with a group of people. I find that, like, I, I love community and I love supporting people through challenge so it's really great when you get a group of people together or even just a couple of friends and do ice bath but when I don't have that available cold shower <laughs> and are you doing the whole shower cold or are you just doing it at the end oh just at the end I mean <laughs> I still like my warm <laughs> I love the warm <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah just doing that contrast therapy and then you know, through doing that, I've I've rewritten a script in, in mm. my mind. I love that. And are you steam saunering or infrared saunering? Infrared, yeah. Where it's available. If it's not available, then I do steam sauna, but I do prefer the infrared. Yeah, nice. And shout out to everyone. Uh, Found Space is, is in New Zealand now. So if you do want an infrared sauna, hit us up. <laughs> hey. Yeah, that's really cool. All right. And um We've talked a bit about yoga and I appreciate to some people there is resistance. They hear yoga and they just switch off like, fucking yoga. It's like, come on. But to someone who perhaps wants to integrate a bit more movement into their life, what are some tips for them and, and how would you perhaps reframe the idea of yoga for them so they perhaps open up to something that would be really beneficial for them? Yeah, so there's so many different forms of yoga, and I think this is the thing. Sometimes people have tried one type and been like, oh, this isn't for me. Or maybe they've gone to a yoga studio, everyone's like bendy already, and they just feel like a tin person in the room that they don't fit in. Like that's really confronting, right? There's so many great online options to do so you can start doing it in your own home it doesn't really matter what you look like and there's so many different styles to to choose from because it's much more than just stretching you know we get the most benefit out of stretching because we need the nervous system to downregulate and be calm for our nervous system to allow our muscles to relax and lengthen so you know it's I see people at the gym sometimes, like kind of like vigorous stretching, like, <laughs> you know, like, okay, that's moving, yeah, it's moving your body. But if you really want to make a significant difference to your range of motion, then you need to also be able to calm your nervous system. So I think it would be um, probably the best advice to, yeah, get on YouTube, get on an online kind of platform and just do something at home because yeah the benefits are, are huge like not just for if you want to perform athletically but just stress management if you're in a busy work environment and to connect to your body so that you can start to to listen to those niggles and those signals that your body gives you that something's not not quite right or out of balance and be able to listen to that um, maybe before injury or before burnout or, um, yeah, before pushing beyond your limits. Mm. And so how does the Ralston method differ from like a vinyasa flow or like a yin practice? Yeah, so I've got three different styles of my yoga practice that I do. So it's all called mindful movement. So I, even though it's even though yoga and the yoga philosophy is behind what I do, it's more mindful movement is what I call it. And in that, there's a strong practice, which is more like a vinyasa, so it's a movement-based practice. But I try not to exploit flexibility, which a lot of traditional yoga does. So it's much more functional and moving like within ranges that are going to benefit your daily life rather than any extremes then there's an aligned practice which is like a moderate pace it's still like quite dynamic and we pay attention to like really small cues 
it's kind of a bit more of a geeky style of practice, like for somebody that really wants to get to know the intricacies of their body and understand the mechanics and better align their joints for more ease. And then there's centered, which is more of like a floor-based yin style of, mm. of practice. Mm. Yeah, so the biggest difference is it's a much more functional approach to the yoga practice yeah i like that yeah there's a lot of different options out there you know and you go on youtube and you type in yoga and it's just like yeah and it's a little overwhelming like if you are new to it and you want to begin it can be so overwhelming because there's more styles than there's ever been to find some, I mean, I have an online platform and a beginner's course as well. So it's really good to start with something that is like beginner level if you're just getting into it. Mm. Yeah, definitely. You know, for me, yoga, I never had a practice. And that's why I asked the question because I had resistance up until only like 12 months ago. And people in my circles did as well or can do. And and then I fasted and I, 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 I couldn't do anything. Like I, there was, I couldn't go and ride my mountain bike. Like I felt like my bones were going to shatter or something. You know, I, I couldn't go for a surf because I, I didn't have the cardiovascular fitness. I, I couldn't paddle. Like I just didn't have that strength. And, and then I, I just stumbled, didn't stumble upon, but ended up in a regular yoga practice and it rebuilt me. You know, it was like, Oh, like, first of all, I just felt like I was being opened up and like activating parts of my body, which hadn't been activated for a long time or, or just had whittled away through the fast. And then over months, I just grew this strength and this strength and it got me to the point where I could do other things, you know, and, and I was like, oh, okay, I get yoga now. It's not some EPDP thing, which, you know, only some people do. It's like everyone would... <laughs> <laughs> maybe I've been a bit extreme, but lots of people would benefit from doing yoga on a regular basis because... Yeah, well, it reconnects you to your body. Right. You know, for whatever reason, you've kind of disconnected from, from places or maybe you've never really kind of fully inhabited the space that is your body. Um, and it does, it rebuilds like a deep internal strength, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, it, you learn to connect to all the small intrinsic muscles rather than relying on the big show muscles that you you know have probably got you through to a certain <laughs> point. And so it really does reconnect you back to the core of your being on all levels and helps you to build out from from there. And I believe that the practice of yoga meets you where you're at mm. and gives you. Uh, as you stick with it again that discipline that consistent path forward to to progress and if you want to make it more challenging you can make it more challenging you know if you want to make it quieter you can make it quieter and more introspective and and that's what I love about the whole science art and and philosophy of the practice and when you get it you get it mm. and and if you don't yet get it keep trying because maybe you just haven't met the right teacher yet. And if you do have like the means to have a, an in-person teacher, you know, try to find someone. And if you are really new to it, maybe have some one-on-one -on -one lessons because sometimes I just help people figure out ways that their body moves mm -hmm. at that point that might be different from the rest of the room. You know, and helping to empower them to be like, okay, so when when I say this, this is how you're going to do it a little differently, and really own that that's where they're where they're at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Everyone has different physiology. You know, maybe the spine doesn't bend as much in a certain way. That's going to affect down the dog or some other poses and things. You know. Yeah, like the architecture of our body is so different. Like when you look at at bones, when we strip things back and look at the bones, like your bones are not the same as mine. You know, like your thigh bones, your femur heads might sit in like deeper or more shallow sockets. They might be facing more towards the front because you're a guy. But, you know, like 
all of our bones are shaped different. So like architecturally we're different. So when you see somebody doing something and you're like, oh, that person's so flexible, it might not just be the flexibility and pliability of their tissues, but also the architecture of their their bones. So you've got to know kind of your limitations of where you're meeting like bone on bone compression that you're not going to get more flexible and push through that. And if you try to, then you risk real injury. So it's also getting to know and understand your own physiology and and what your own expectations of yourself Mm -hmm. could be as well. You know, sometimes we put limits on ourselves the other way and be like, oh, I can't do that. And like we discussed before, then there's something in there, right? Like, don't tell me you can't do something until we see a reason why not. Mm -hmm. I love that. Nikki, what are you working on at the moment? What's next? Ah, that's such a good question (laughs) because I recently, I used to have two yoga studios here. And as you know, life has changed dramatically over the last two years. I used to travel a lot and run retreats and life has changed dramatically. So I've closed the two studios. I'm more free than I've probably been in a really long time because my daughter's also now 17 no 16 you know so I have a lot more freedom in my life so I'm at a bit of a point where I, I don't have like hard and fast answers to that I'm about to go into my yearly teacher training program I've got a retreat coming up, the one I told you about at Aroha with the amazing mountains. Um, The cold water. (laughs) Yeah, the cold water, the warm sauna, the yoga, actually my favourite yoga studio in the world. And so I've got that near it like in August Um, and then hopefully start to look forward to more travel and, you know, more events being able to take place. So I'm probably the most open-ended I've been, I've got a couple of secret projects that I can't talk about yet um, that I'm working on. But yeah, I'm excited about doing things from this point a little differently and reaching wider into the world with with my practice and um, yeah, helping to create significant shifts in people's wellness by doing that. Mm. And what are you like? What's something you're currently working on in terms of your your physical body like what's something you're like oh I just don't I want to do this thing a bit differently like I'm curious where you're at right now in your overall journey like I said before my adductors like my inner thighs at the at the moment that they were tending more towards the, the tight side but they were weak mm. you know like my nervous system is gripping because they're weak and they can be sneaky and kind of go unnoticed so I'm working on my adductors yeah um, I'm also working like on my uh, rhomboids in my mid traps, like right between my shoulder blades, because I tend to, you know, sit forward in my shoulders as as lots of people do. <laughs> and because I've taken like a little step back from being sick, I'm not doing like my vigorous weight training. So I will be working on like slowly and progressively building that back up. And I'm trying to really focus on I always focus on form and, and technique and, you know, for like lifting, you know, I'm still, I'm learning so much around, again, it's putting the body under more stress, you know, mm. like I move well, but, you know, can I keep moving well when that stress is increased? So yeah, working on form and, and technique. Yeah. Beautiful. Constant work in progress. Yeah, well, it always is, right? It always is. Because you shine the light of your focus and attention on something for a while and then something else has missed out on your attention, you know? So it's like it's always shifting. But what I love about that is that it's about the practice. It's not like you didn't just say, oh, Alex, like I want to put on six kilos of muscle and, you know, I want to do this like – it, it, it wasn't that. It's like these are just the things that I'm currently kind of working on and through that things will happen and change and, and, and be different. But it's just about the daily. These are the things that I'm doing in my daily practice at the moment. And that's that's the work right there. I love that. Nikki, if people want to find out more about you, where can they find you? 
the RalstonMethod.com is my website. And on there, there's links through to my online studio where I do like live streams as well as like a library of like 300 classes. Um, the Ralston Method on Instagram. I am on Facebook, to be honest. Don't check it that much. Not my preferred kind of medium. So if you want to find me, find me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. I like that. And uh, this podcast is going to Australia, New Zealand, but also around the world now. Uh, we're having listeners. And so will, will, are there ways that people can can work with you potentially from across the world? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got the online studio and I can also do one-on-ones. It's it's something I never thought of until like the last couple of years. I'd always been like, no, I can't connect with people like this. I want to see their bodies. But actually through here, not much is lost and I can see everything and I work with people just as well um, online. So yeah, anywhere in the world you can work with me. Lovely. Nikki, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you for having me, Alex. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes.